Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We were talking two weeks ago about David, about the fact there are a lot of principles that we can learn from the life of David. There's so much about David. I mean, you know, if you go back and you read, you know, the, the, the entire account of the life of David, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. But I just wanted to focus on these two sessions, you know, just about some principles that, that we can learn from the life of David. Because, you know, when you think of David, we all, the phrase that always comes to mind is he was a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't you love to have that said about you? That's how generations have referred to David. That's how generations will remember David, a man after God's own heart. Was he the king of Israel? Yes, he was the king of Israel. Is Jesus the son of David? Yes, he's the son of David. You know, was, is, da- is Jesus in the lineage of David? Yes, he is. But what always comes to mind is a man after God's own heart. And there are so many principles in his life that made him the kind of person that that could be said about. And so we just wanted to look at some of those things and find out what they were. And and so the first night, you know, we only got to one, you know, and, and it was the fact that he developed a relationship with God early. We talked a lot about that, you know, so we really won't go into a lot of that tonight again. But, you know, his, his early years were spent on the hillsides with the sheep. You know, in a place that was, he was alone, there was solitude there, there was monotony there, he was, he was doing the same thing day in, day out. The sheep are not that great a company, you know. You don't get a lot of rapport with the sheep, you know, you don't get a lot of feedback. I mean, because let's face it, you know, when I used to stay home with two little kids, I was anxious to find somebody to have an adult conversation with. You know, I suspect that there were times when David would like to have had another person to talk to. And since there was nobody else, he found himself talking to God all the time. All the time. And God talked back to him. Can you imagine such a thing? He had an opportunity early in life to establish a relationship with God Almighty that would span the rest of his life. He had such a a relationship developed that would keep him in times when it looked bad. When it looked like you know, all was falling apart, all was lost, that his life was in danger, he could always fall back on the relationship that he had with God to know that God was always going to put him over, that God was there watching his back, that God would enable him to do whatever he had to do. You know, when, when, day, when he was in danger, God would always deliver him from that danger. Those were things that he established early. He established a, a, a work ethic out there on those hills with those sheep. He, he put his, his hands to work. And nobody was there to supervise him. Nobody was there to oversee and say, well, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. He learned a lot by the doing of it. The monotony that was day in and day out of the sheep still did not keep him from doing his job with excellence. I believe it's over in Psalm 78. It says that he guided the, the sheep with the integrity of his heart and guided them with skillful hands. Listen, he learned to care for a bunch of animals with nobody but God as his overseer. And one day, God was going to put into his hands an entire nation. 
There were principles he learned caring for a bunch of sheep that he used with the people of God were put into his hand. He was a good king, but you know that started at a much younger age. His training began out there on those hills. And so God has, has shown us, you know, in that, you know, developing our relationship with God early, getting us established, and, and, and proving ourselves in little things. Proving ourselves to be faithful. Those sheep belong to his natural father. And the people of God, the nation of Israel, belong to his heavenly father. Principle is the same. And he put everything he had into, was faithful in little things. When nobody saw anything that he was doing, he was faithful to continually do what he had been asked to do. And I don't see any indication of anywhere where he begrudged that at all. But he counted it a blessing to be able to be out there doing what he'd been asked to do. Saw it as his job, saw it as his duty, saw it as his responsibility, and maybe even saw it as a privilege. You know, there's some lessons to be learned in that. You know, in a body of believers, you know, in a local church, there are things that people do that are seen by everybody. Then there are people who do jobs that are seen by very few. These guys in the sound booth and the video booth, you never see their faces unless you turn around. And yet, what would we do without them? And they do it faithfully. They commit themselves to be here, you know, on time to do their jobs well. So turn around and wave at them. Hi. <laughs> See, there are things nobody sees. There are people who come and who pray that nobody sees. There's people who come and they weed, nobody sees. There are people who, who do things with children and very few people see. And yet every bit of it is valuable. It's training. It's taking something that belongs to God and saying, I will do this, Lord, for nobody but you. I don't need a pat on the back. I don't need somebody else to tell me how wonderful I am. I do it because you've asked me to do it. I've committed to do it. I will do it with my whole heart. I'll do it with, with everything that I have, and I'll do it with excellence. That's one of the things David learned at an early age a relationship with God, and, and how to put it into practice. It would serve him well the rest of his days. So anyway, listen, there was qualities that, that God was able to develop in him during that time. Qualities that he was able... And see, when God is developing qualities in people, he's really not in a hurry. He just wants to get it done and do it well and make sure that it is completely and utterly established in that person's life. And then he can move them on to something else. You know, sometimes people move out beyond their ability. They move out beyond where their character is, you know, in, into, into some things too, too soon. And it becomes, you know, a nightmare. But you, and you take somebody who's spent time with God and let God develop in them those traits that need to be developed for what he has for them later, and they will stand the test of time. And it certainly did with David. Uh, David's time on the hills was that training ground where he was not seeking something else. You know, it's interesting, if you go back and read that, the story of David and, and when he came in, was brought into his father's house, and there's the prophet. The prophet has gone through all the sons of, of Jesse, and he's looking around, and each time God says, no, not this one, no, not this one, no, not this one, until he finally looks around and he goes, 
well, if it's none of these, Lord, I mean, you know, who is it? And he finally says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Is there anybody else? Oh, yeah, there's David. He's out with the sheep. Out of sight, out of mind. And yet he brings him in. The prophet anoints him. Now, you know, the prophet just didn't show up just any time and just, and just pour the anointing oil over people. This is something that's extremely special. And everybody had to know it, including David. But I think this is the next point I wanted to get to. Is he, During his life, he kept his humility. He remained a humble man. And even as young as he was when that anointing oil was poured on him, he didn't try to make anything happen. He went back to doing his job as a shepherd. He didn't try to figure it out. Maybe he learned a lesson from Joseph. Everybody knew the story of Joseph and uh, him telling his brothers, you know, this is the dream I had. This is, you know, not a good plan. It did not turn out too well for Joseph for those next few years. But David just went right back to taking care of the sheep. You know, he was happy to do it. Obviously, he had, an, he had an inkling that God had something for him. He didn't know what it was. But when God got ready to tell him, he'll tell me. You know what? That, that's a good place to be. Just staying in a place where you're humble. You know, when he was called to come and play for the king, he went. He used gifts he had developed out there on those hills to minister to a man who was hurting. And when that didn't go so well, he went back to the sheep. He's not there to say, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, that. I'm God's anointed. I don't know what for, but I'm God's anointed. God's anointed me. The prophet came to my house. He called for me. I mean, here I None of that. None of that. It, humility is a thing that um, we, have to, we have to maintain. God wants all of us to know how special and how wonderful we are, but we don't need to go around telling everybody. <laughs> we don't need to go try and have to figure out how my gifts are best displayed. David never did that. He used, when God wanted to use him, he let himself be used. And when it didn't seem like there was any point for him being there, back to the sheep. And I, I really, you know... When the day came that he realized what God's anointing had been for, he still did not push his way into that. You know, no matter what God's called any of us to do, we have to let it play out as God intends for it, the way God has ordered it to be. And so humility is one of those things that, that you have to always keep in mind. You know, uh, when he went out, to, to slay Goliath, there was a promise to him of uh, money. There was a promise to him of a girl. There was a promise to him of, of uh, freedom for his family. And it reminded me of something Dad Hagen used to talk about to, to the students and to ministers. You know, sometimes he would talk to ministers only. And, and uh, I remember one uh, seminar he did that was just for ministers only, and he was talking about ministerial ethics. And he said there was three things that any that every minister, and I think this applies to any believer. There's three things that you need to be uh, cautious of. Number one, gold, which is money. Seems that money is the biggest thing that that men of God, men and women of God, need to be careful about. Glory. People get beyond their humility level. 
you know, and suddenly it's all about me and what I can do. They, they forgot who put them where they are. And the girls. God, uh, the gold, the glory, and the girls. Well, I told, I told this to the Bible school students in California a couple of years ago, and I said, these days it's not just girls, you know. You, the way you look around at some of these, some of the scandals that have been going on, sometimes it's guys too, you know, you don't know. You know, but I'm telling you what, there's, there's things that you need to be careful of. And see, David was promised all these things when he went out and slew a, slew a giant. Well, he didn't go out there for those things. See, he kept his humility in check. He went out there because there was a dog of a Philistine threatening the people of God. He was there to prove that God, the God of Israel, was the one true God. That was his primary goal. And so he went out there, did his job, and was content to go back to the sheep when it was all said and done. I mean, can you imagine? You have just been the champion of a nation, and you turn around and you're content to go back to the sheep. That's a man with a humble heart. Astounding. D- number three... David always recognized God as the source of his blessings and his ability. Go with me to 1 Samuel 17. Hallelujah. Seventeen, verse 37. You know, this is when Saul was trying to talk him out of going out there because Saul looked at him as just a young man, you know, who had no experience in, in the things of war. And David looked at him and said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. See, he saw the source of any ability he had. You know, uh, just, just as a side thought, you know, uh, uh, David picked up five stones, and he had his sling with him. Uh, I heard a Bible teacher one time point this out, and, and I thought it was great. I don't, you know, may not mean anything to you, but I just thought it was a great analogy. He said, uh, if you'll notice, you go over to Ephesians where it talks about the armor of God. There's five pieces of the armor and the sword. Correlation here of five smooth stones and a slingshot. And he went out there armored, prepared, equipped, with all the ability that he possibly needed, all the protection that he needed, God was there surrounding him. He had it all on. You know, as believers, we keep the armor of God on. You'll always have everything you need for any battle that you might face, for anything that might come your way. And, and David did. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 22. Hallelujah. Let's do verses 1 through 4. David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. My high tower and my refuge, my Savior, thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. If you'll look down in verse 
Uh, let's see. Verse 30. For by you I have run through a troop. By my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust him. For who is God save the Lord? And who is the rock save our God? God is my strength and my power. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon high places. He teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms. He has also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy gentleness has made me great see he put it all back in God everything that he was everything that he did everything that he could possibly even think of doing it all came from God see we we have to always remember it's a principle that David teaches us is to always remember the source of every blessing that you have and for every ability that you have you know sometimes we think we're born oh I was just born with this natural ability Well, who gave you that natural ability? God who formed you in the womb put that natural ability on the inside of you. And it wasn't for you to just go out and squander on some frivolous things of this world, but he's put every talent and every ability on the inside of you for you to use for his glory, for you to use to to turn people back and say, this is where it comes from. The ability I have is not of my own making. It's not of my own, my own uh, education. It's not, a, it's not anything to do with me except the God who made me, the God who formed me, the God who, who knew me before I was ever conceived. He's the one who put this in me to be used for his glory. We always have to be mindful of that. Hallelujah. Uh, number four, David remained a worshiper. All his life. If you read through the Psalms, I mean, you see times where it's a psalm of victory. Then you see Psalms where where he pours out his heart to the Lord because of distress and trouble on every side. But he always ends it with the fact that he's my God who has delivered me. You know, if you go over to 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, in fact, just go there. This is something we all need to be mindful of. 1 Samuel 30. Verse 6, you know, this is a story. The Amalekites had come along, and they had taken all the women and children. They were taken captives, and and his men were upset with him. And verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Has anybody talked of stoning you lately? Well, let's hope not. Has anybody threatened your life lately? Have, have Have your family been taken into captivity? And here is a man who turned from his sorrow and his distress... And from all the, the negative things that were going on around him, and, and, and turned a deaf ear to the things that were, people were saying all around him, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. 
It's wonderful that you and I have brothers and sisters around us who can come along and encourage us. But I'm telling you what, there are times when there's nobody there. And we have to learn to make sure that we know how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Don't wait for somebody to come along and say, well, you look kind of down the dumps. Do you want me to pray for you? No, you take one good long look at what's happening and then you turn your eyes toward heaven and you begin to praise God. There's a place for a shout in every situation. In every situation, there's room for a shout. And there are times if you don't start shouting, you will go under. You have to learn to encourage yourself. I have been in a place And I know the year, and I know the the day, I know the months that I was in a place of great distress and great depression. And there was a darkness all over me. And at least, and at the time, all I could do was just to make myself get to church. Now, I was sitting on the platform back then. And I was in a dark place. But I kept coming back. I kept coming back. I kept coming back to where God was, where God could talk to me, where there were people, you know. But ultimately, I had to encourage myself in the Lord to break that thing. I think people were praying, absolutely I do. But you know what? I had to do something. People can pray. You know, tremendous power is made available by the effective, heartfelt, earnest prayer of a righteous man. We can make power available to people, but people have to take advantage of what's being made available to them. I can encourage you all day long, but if you won't receive encouragement, there's nothing I can do. So we have to be, be careful. We have to be constantly on the lookout that we have to be in a place where we can encourage ourselves. Amen. You know, and David, he remained a worshiper in the, in the good times and the bad times, and he didn't care what it looked like to other people. Hallelujah. But he became king. It did not exempt him from praising God. He had not reached such a lofty status in life that he still didn't, that he didn't need God anymore. And he didn't need to just throw himself out there with all he could. And what did he say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That came from this man. And so when he, the ark was coming in, he danced before the Lord with all his might. He, he put aside his kingly garments and he danced his heart out. And his wife said, oh, didn't you look just marvelous out there, the king of Israel displaying himself like that. And he looked at her and said, woman, I'll have you know. I danced before the Lord and I will keep on doing it. If you don't like it, that is your problem. And it was her problem because she despised the Lord. She never had a child. It did become her problem. She didn't see it for what it was. A man who still put God first. A man who still worshipped God with all that was in him. A man who, who could put aside every earthly status and focus on the one who had put him in that place to start with. 
a man who worshiped God. Can you imagine why God would say he was someone after his own heart? Oh, hallelujah. He was a loyal friend, number five. Jonathan was a friend that he held dear to him. And friends are valuable. When God puts, I mean, you won't come across this kind of a friend very often. But I'm telling you, when you do, you should recognize it. And you should hold that friendship tight. And never let anything come between you. And it didn't with Jonathan and David. It was a mutual respect. It was a mutual love. It was a mutual relationship that they had that they, that, that friendship held them. In spite of the fact that Jonathan's own father was trying to kill his best friend, Jonathan would, would, not, would not forsake this friend. And in turn, David did not forsake his friend. When David saw that, that there was someone left at the house of Jonathan, Mephibosheth, he brought him into his own table. And he ate at the king's table for the rest of his life. You know, there are principles of that, that that you and I can still see today. Because friendships, you know, over the years I've had, I've had some friends. There's a lot of people I call friends. But very few I would call a friend like David and Jonathan were to each other. They're valuable. They're few. They're far between. When God knits your heart together with someone like that, recognize how precious it is and protect it at all costs. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Number six, he was a man of integrity. He always, he was was striving. I can't say David always did the right thing, but he always strived, I think, to do the right thing. Uh, He, you know, I will will say that, you know, he made mistakes in his life. were especially were people like, you know, like his situation with Bathsheba. But he always came back. He always came back. You know, it's what uh, Oswald Sanders said, and I read that to you a couple weeks ago, about the, the compass, that, that needle, always came back to true north, which was God himself. You know, but he was a man of integrity. When he was treated badly by Saul, it says in chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, he said, he behaved himself more wisely so that his name was in the highest repute. Listen, when you find yourself in situations where somebody treats you badly, you do what David did. You behave yourself wisely. Your name will be held in highest repute because of it. People aren't stupid. In situations, you know, if you, just, if you behave, behave yourself well, they will recognize who the uh, bully in any situation is. And the reputation of that person will go down the tubes while yours will just go up. So David's integrity, you know, was there. In 1 Samuel 24, you know, he had an opportunity. He found himself, him and his men in a cave where Saul came in. And they had an opportunity. They could have killed him. And David kept his men from killing Saul. But at the same time, David went over and used his sword and cut off part of Saul's skirt. And immediately, his heart just was in distress because he had treated God's man, his anointed, so badly that that was not honoring Saul. And that's one of the things we're going to get to here in just a minute. When, when it, 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 there's a couple of times, you know, listed where you can find these where Saul wept over the treatment that he had 
he had given David. And on two occasions, he promised him, I won't hurt you. And yet, David knew, "Mm, I can't trust that. And David would take himself away from the situation. He behaved himself with integrity where Saul was concerned. If he had not, he would not have been the effective ruler that he later was. He, he showed his integrity to the people by the way he treated Saul. You know, you and I will always find ourselves in places where we're not treated justly. But integrity will keep us doing the right thing in spite of the fact we're not being treated justly. Behave yourself wisely and let your name be in highest repute. Number seven, <clears throat> this, is, this is, I think, a very interesting thing. He was inclusive of others. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, I, some of these may seem like small things to you, but you know these are just the things the Lord brought, brought up to me. <clears throat> David has, a, has a escaped, and he has, has come to the cave in, of Abdullam. And uh, in chapter in verse, verse 2 of chapter 22, it says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. Well, that's a motley crew now, isn't it? Everybody who had issues, people with issues, joined themselves to David. What does it say? He became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. David didn't turn these men away. Just because they had issues... Now, from, the, from everything I read about him, he didn't take this opportunity to say, okay, I've got my, this, this band of men here, and, and look what Saul's doing to me. And, and he, did, he wasn't interested, I don't think, in making, making sure these people came and they took his side and they were anti-Saul because it says he became a captain over them. Well, that indicates he took people who had, were, who had issues, who had probably very little self-control, who had very little self-training. And he, as a captain, he trained them. Trained them. Now, if you'll look and keep on reading, you go over into 2 Samuel, about chapter 23, where it begins to talk about some of the mighty men that surrounded David. And there's one phrase in there that popped out to me. And it said something about how uh, this one particular person had had come to him in Abdullam. And I came back to this. And I'm going, all these people were people with issues. He became a captain over them. And in the next book, the next 2 Samuel, their names start to be listed as mighty men. He took an opportunity to take men who were worthless as far as society was concerned and turn them into mighty men. Didn't turn them away. He saw potential. You know, and for us, we need to see potential in everybody God brings across our path. Need to see them the way God sees them, as people who are jam-packed with ability that he's already put in them and 
Somebody just needs to help bring it out. See, these men had something that only David recognized, and he was able to bring it out of them. And they began to be listed and named as some of David's mighty men. Isn't that wonderful? Number eight, he gave honor where honor was due. This is an important thing. You know, we've already talked about the fact that he had two opportunities to kill Saul. But go with me to 1 Samuel 24. You're probably real close. He was ever mindful of this, that, this, that Saul was God's anointed. Maybe God's hand was, was being removed from him. And, and God was going to bring David into a place of, of prominence. God was going to make him king. And yet, he was willing to wait until God did that. And he never lost sight of the fact that this was God's anointing, that God had anointed this man with the same oil of anointing that David had been anointed with. He gave honor to that. In uh, verse 6, it says, he told his man, he said, you're not going to stretch forth your hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. In verse 10, I will not put forth mine hand against, against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. In verse 11, um, he talks about how he's not going to cut the skirt off. He, he was sad for that. He, 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 was, he was upset with himself because he had, he had done something that was disrespectful. To God's anointed. I understand that there are people who have used that phrase to abuse people. I understand that. But there's still a way of honoring somebody. If you know that God's hand has been on them at some point, there's still a, a way you can still honor somebody. Still a way. Mostly, I think, by praying for them. When people get into a place where they are out of step with God's word and they're not treating people as they ought, and yet you know God's hand was on them at one point in their life, pray. Pray. That's how you can honor them. That's how you can still honor the call that God had on them, is to pray. Hallelujah. Uh, 1 Samuel 26 Verse 9, again, who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Uh, Verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. See, the whole point here is David was not going to, to take it into his own hands, in his own power, to mete out any judgment. Even though Saul was chasing him. Saul was trying to kill him. He just removed himself from the situation as best he could. Took off to you know, other places, left so that he'd be, he'd be away from the reach of Saul. And you can tell that he carried that sense of honor with him always. Because even, even after Saul was, was died, had, had been killed, and news was brought to him, you find this in the, the first chapter of Second Samuel. News is brought to him of Saul's death. And he mourned for Saul. 
he mourned for him, still giving honor. And in fact, when, some, when this young man came who had brought the, the news and seemed like he was um, boasting about the fact that he came along and, and finished Saul off, he was, he was wounded from where he had fallen on his own sword and Saul asked him to, to finish the job. You know, David didn't take it lightly. In fact, he had the man killed because his honor towards Saul was so great. And he praised those, though, who, who went then and put their own lives in jeopardy later to retrieve Saul's body and the bodies of his sons and give them a proper burial. Praised them because he knew all along that his place was to give honor where honor was due and that in due time God would put him in the place that he needed to be. If God had called him to be king, God would have to do it. But there was no way that David was going to touch the man who had once been anointed by God. No way. Uh, it was not his place. It was not his job. When God said, I'll make you king, then he was going to leave that up to God to do. Amen? Number nine, he stayed with the call of God on his life. God had called David to a time and a place that enemies needed to be conquered. Victories needed to be won. Israel had to be brought to a place of peace. That was his job, and that was the job he did. When the time came that, that peace was reigning in the land, and there were no seemingly normal wars to fight, you know, he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, I want to build you a house. And the Lord said, no, that's not for you. That's not what I called you to do. That's not, what I, that's not what you're here for. That's going to be the job of your son. And he, he didn't argue with the Lord. He didn't fight him. Too many people these days, God gives them a job to do, and they go, yeah, but I want to do this. Yeah, but I want to do that. Listen, wherever God puts you at the time, do what he's asked you to do till he, act, till he actually moves you on. And when he says no to something, don't just say, well, okay, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still going to do it anyway. I'm going to give it a try. You know, don't do that. You know, what, what David did was he was content to do. His heart was in the right place. See, he honored God so much that, God, I want to honor you even more now by building a house for you. But God said, no, you're, you're a man of war. There's too much blood on your hands. This is a job for your son. And so what did he do? He gathered up tremendous resources to enable his son to do his job. You know what? In this life, that's what we can do for our children is to gather up so much in the area of resources for them. Sometimes it's natural, physical resources. Sometimes it's spiritual resources that enable them to go and do the job that God has called them to do. That's a principle of David that we need to always be mindful of. Whether our children are young, middle, older, no matter what, we still have something we can do to enable them to carry on the plan that God has for them. Amen. That brings me, that brings me to my last point, his parting wisdom to Solomon. And I can't do any better than, uh, let's, let's go to 1 Kings 2. 1 Kings 2. One through four. 
Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments, and his judgments and his testimonies, and as, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. That the Lord may continue his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. And isn't that what happened? There's not failed to be a man on the throne today because the seed of David is now the one who sits on the throne of heaven. But go with me now to First Chronicles 28. Starting in verse 9. I'm going to actually just read this to you out of the Amplified. And I can't say it any better than this. Verses 9 and 10. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Have personal knowledge of him. Be acquainted with and understand him. Appreciate, heed, and cherish him. And serve him with a blameless heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and minds and understands all the wanderings of the thoughts. If you seek him, inquiring for and of him, and requiring him as your first and vital necessity, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for a sanctuary. Be strong and do it. I can't say it much better than that. You know, for us, our parting wisdom to our children must always be directing them back to God. To look to Him for all their needs, for all their necessities. To do what He said here in this last part. He said, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for a sanctuary. We know now, you know, in the New Testament, under a new covenant, that God his home is in us. And it's, he's chosen each one of us to build that house that is here. Just do it. Just do it. There's no better wisdom. There's no better advice. There's no better desire for a parent than to see their children walk in what God has for them. To always seek his face and to seek his heart. That's the legacy that we should leave behind. For our children. It doesn't, it doesn't mean nearly as much. You know, material things are great when you can leave, a, leave something to your children. And, and a good man will leave a, an inheritance to his children. A man who's walked in prosperity and in plenty the way God intends for him to will have something to leave behind for his children. But the legacy he needs to leave with his children is to serve the Lord with all that is within them, to build that house that God has chosen them for. Amen? So these are the principles that I think we can learn from the life of David. You know, these are just the things. I know there's more. There's more that can be, you know, just if you spend some time studying his life, I know there's more things God can show you. But these are the things he gave me. So I hope that, you know, that's just uh, food for thought, things to chew on. Things to be reminded of. 
of how we live our lives. Because wouldn't it be nice for us to, to have someone say about us that we were someone who was after God's own heart? That's the legacy we want to leave behind. For our children to look at us and say, my mom, my dad. It was a man, a woman, who was after God's heart. All these other things are great, but that's the thing that stands out most. Is they, they left me with a legacy of searching for, seeking after, following, and, and being in love with God. Leave that with you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.